Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> this is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard Podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. What's good, fam? It's your host, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Form D and ED, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Farm So Hard Podcast. And today, I have another special episode for you guys, and I'm going to be joined by my PGY2 resident, and she's going to talk to us about data. But before we get into that, let's get into what we're talking about today. Beta blocker use in cocaine-induced chest pain. That's right. Cocaine is a hell of a drug, everyone. And this is what we're going to talk about. The old saying, you cannot use beta blockers in cocaine-induced chest pain. But before we get into that, of course, I have to shout out a few things, guys. The PACU is coming soon. That's right. Pharmacy and Acute Care University is coming soon. I have everything set to drop for you guys October 4th. So be on the lookout. Go to the show notes and check that out. If you look at anything with Pharmacy or Heart or Pharmacy Frothy Pearls over the next few weeks, you're going to see it. And this is going to be my premium website, guys, my premium membership where I'm bringing all the experts together to give you more in-depth information that you need to be the best practitioner you can be and give you some phenomenal resources so you can save yourself time that you could be doing making yourself smarter. So definitely go and check out pharmacy slash acutecareuniversity.com. Again, that's pharmacy slash acutecareuniversity.com and check it out and get on that email list so I can give you guys more sneak peeks into the, the membership. Cocaine is the most illicit substance in the U.S. and cocaine-associated complications, most commonly chest pain, accounts for roughly 40% of all drug-related emergency department visits. And cocaine can actually cause chest pain or acute coronary syndrome, or ACS for short, by increasing myocardial oxygen demand and decreasing the oxygen supply due vasoconstriction. And this can occur because cocaine blocks reuptake of norepinephrine and dopamine, causing an accumulation of catecholamines at the postsynaptic receptor, therefore acting as a sympathetic mimetic agent. It's also going to work on those alpha receptors, causing calcium influx into smooth muscle, and this can lead to coronary vasoconstriction. But the interesting thing of all of this, the use of beta blockers in cocaine-induced chest pain is super controversial. I mean, we've been hearing about this from the 60s and 70s and everyone's been passing along in textbooks with early studies suggesting that beta blocker uses in this population was harmful because of the unopposed alpha stimulation leading to an increase in blood pressure and coronary artery vasoconstriction. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been hearing that stuff for forever now. I want to see what we can do about this cocaine-induced chest pain, and is beta blockers really that bad? So two of the big agents we're going to talk about is labetalol and propranolol. Metoprolol is used quite a bit, guys, but from a historical standpoint, it makes it pretty interesting to talk about just these two agents. So we have labetalol, which is traditionally given at 0.25 mg per kg IV, or you can give anywhere from 1 to 200 milligrams PL. 
Onsets can be rather quick with a five minute onset and a half life being about six to eight hours. And you have to look out for some things like orthostatic hypotension, bradycardia, dizziness, and of course fatigue. And the weird thing about beta blockers is that they can mask hypoglycemia. Not a really big thing that we care about right now, but something to keep in mind. For my nurses out there, when you're giving libetalol, you want to get this over one to two minutes. Again, depending on what dose you're giving, because you want to have a rate of 10 milligrams per minute. And when it comes to the receptor activity, it's super duper important to mention that you have beta one, beta two and alpha one activity. So you're not going to necessarily have that unopposed alpha when given labetalol because it's one of the better antihypertensive agents because it has multiple receptor activity. Now let's cross over to one of the old drugs, propranolol. Usually we see this given at 60 to 120 milligrams daily, or you can give anywhere from zero to one milligrams IV times one. And interesting, you can give it IV or PO, or maybe even intracoronary, more for that later. The onset's going to be within five minutes and have a half-life of three to six hours. You can have some of the same side effects that we talked about with labetalol. So some things to look out for this. You can push this over one minute. And when it comes to receptor activity, it only has beta one and beta two. It's missing that alpha. So Kaylee, get into some of that data for me. So I think one of the most interesting studies that I read looking into this topic um, is really one of the studies that was first done that most people reference when they're talking about the unopposed alpha stimulation and when referring to beta blocker usage in cocaine-induced chest pain. And so this study was a prospective randomized controlled trial um, that included healthy volunteers. And so essentially they took these patients and split them into two groups one group received intranasal normal saline, and the other group actually received intranasal cocaine. Um, they used two milligrams per kilogram in these patients. Oh, so they're giving these people intranasal cocaine just casually as they're doing a study in, in the 90s? All right, I see how this is. But keep going, Kaylee. I, I know it's some people that's super professional that don't want to hear me talk. Um, furthermore, they actually ended up giving intracoronary. <laughs> yes, you heard that right. Intracoronary. Propranolol wow. to these patients. Um, and then within the study, they actually found that overall um, it helped reduce their pressures, um, but there was an increased coronary vascular resistance in the patients that received the intracoronary propranolol. Um, it wasn't a very large study. There was 15 patients total in each arm of the study. And not all of them received IV propranolol. Essentially, it wasn't in all of the coronaries that this increased um, vascular resistance was seen. It was really just in one of them. So not even statistically significant in, you know, as a whole, um, but it's definitely an interesting trial and was pretty cool to read. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. And then one of the other interesting studies um, was more recent. So it was one of the meta-analyses that was done um, in 2014. And so it was basically a retrospective like review and meta-analysis uh, looking at the outcomes of patients experiencing a myocardial infarction um, that received a beta blocker at any point 
Um, and so essentially the majority of patients in the study they found that were cocaine positive that had a myocardial infarction and received beta blockers um, showed no difference in hospital mortality. Furthermore, kind of looking at this, there was a quite a few different beta blockers included, um, but overall they were able to see that there was no increased risk of any toxicity or any issues associated with beta blocker usage. So basically what you're saying is that my entire pharmacy school and first part of my career is a lie. <laughs> Great. Thanks for everyone who told me that beta blockers were like the freaking devil when it comes to that. But I'm gonna go ahead and stop it here. Um, I know we have a few more studies that we can talk about, but realistically, I think that that really hits it for me. I think it hits it for this episode. So we're gonna go ahead and close out there. Kaylee, thanks for coming on and giving us a little review of the evidence. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Farm So Hard. This has been, yeah, it's been a fun episode, but go check the show notes out. I got a ton of the stuff there. And again, just really thank you guys for all the support you've been giving us over the years and for us to be consistently a a top five emergency medicine podcast, the top three pharmacy podcast really just shows the support you guys have given us over the the years. And we look to do great things like the PACU. Uh, that's going to be another big thing for me. Uh, in March, we have the Empower Conference that's going to be going live. The first of its kind emergency medicine pharmacy conference is going to be super cool with all the smart people, you know, and the great things. So go check us out, farmstoreheart.com. You know where to find us on social media, farmstore underscore heart at Twitter, farmstore heart at Instagram. We, we're everywhere, guys. So let us know what you like. Like, comment, subscribe, share this everywhere you possibly can. And you know how I end it every time, guys. You don't have to be a pharmacist. You don't have to work in the ED. But everything you do, make sure you farm so hard. Get out of here.